3: Welcome back to the channel and welcome back to another edition of the Spurs Chat Podcast where in this edition we will be talking about Tottenham's game against Manchester United. Of course, Spurs 2, Manchester United 2. After a poor first half defensively, Spurs were 2-0 down. Sancho and Rashford getting the goals. Booze at half-time from the angry and frustrated Tottenham Hotspur fans. Of course, the fans were also singing Levy out. The comeback was then on. Goals from Pedro Poro and Hunmin Son. Spurs are now fifth in the Premier League table. We are back in a Europa League spot. Now, I have four very special guests this evening to talk about tonight's game. With us for the very first time, actor TJ Ramini. TJ, how are you? Um,
4: I'm okay. <laughs> but we'll get into that. It's lovely to be on the show. Very happy to be on the
0: show. Thank you for having me.
3: Lovely to have you here. And, of course, we've got actor... Darren Hart back with us.
0: Darren, how are you? I'm good, gentlemen. I'm good. Good to be back. Good to be back. Good to be back.
3: Now, a guy that I've spent this evening with, he is just metres away from me. Actor Ricky Norwood is back with us. Ricky, how are you and happy birthday?
5: Thank you, my friend. It's crazy to be on while being in the stadium. I don't know how you do this, Chris, but I've got to say a big thank you to Chris and Mr. Hart. I know you've had something to do with this, but I was in the programme today. I had a little... um, a birthday dedication and, and, and my picture in the programme, which I'm overwhelmed with. Plus, we got a point. So, um, I'm, I'm, I'm a happy boy tonight. Happy boy.
3: And we've also got channel regular Craig Dearman
6: back with us. Craig, how are you? I'm all right, Chris, after the second half. Anyway, I thought it was going to be another miserable one, actually, after the first half. But uh, happy birthday to Mr Norwood. Uh, looking sharp, as always. Very sharp, sir. Happy birthday. So, uh, yeah, let's, let's get into this.
3: Well, he's had a lot of fans come up to him this evening. Um, TJ, let's start the uh, the show with you. Um, give me your thoughts on the game. Tottenham all 2, Manchester United 2. Uh, you sent me a couple of WhatsApp messages throughout that game. <laughs> but Spurs, of course, turned it around. We got a point. Uh, we showed real fight in that second half.
4: Yeah, we did. Um, I mean, listen, am I happy with the points? No. Am I happy not to have lost another game? Yes. Um, my overall takeaway... From the game, and I, I don't want to start on a, on a negative point, especially you know it's my first time on your on your show, and I don't want to be you know over here moaning. But in all honesty, I, I you know I don't think anyone would say this is a great United team. Like even my Manchester United friends would never you know stand and profess their their adoration or admiration for this for this current outfit. Um, I think Ten Hag has come in and done you know wonders with actually a pretty substandard. Squad, especially, you know, considering the, the the size of the challenge and the size of the brand uh, with which he has been, uh, you know, performed to sort of undertake this, this transformation. But in all honesty, the second half from Tottenham's perspective just goes to show what effort and desire can gain in the Premier League. There is one unbelievably talented side in the Premier League who are, for me, by far the best team in the world. There's another team which had a very good season this season. Wheels fell off, but they've had a very good season. And then there's kind of maybe four or five other pretty good teams, and we're one of them. Are we that much worse than Manchester United? No, we're not. And so the the positives are good. You know, we, we we've turned up, we've given the fans at the stadium and, you know, at home all over the world, something to not cheer about necessarily, but to certainly feel a a little bit more positive and um, just to give us something to cling on to, that perhaps an identity has been restored to a degree. But overall, I'm still frustrated because there's no excuse not to play like that for 90 minutes. And if we've not been trained to play for 90 minutes at a high tempo then that's a a, a real issue. So in answer to to your first question, Chris, and sorry to harp on, uh, chaps, um, I'm I'm happy that we didn't lose. I'm not happy with the points, but I am enthused by the idea, and hopefully the manager, the training staff, and the players, the main takeaway from this will be if you try your hardest for 90 minutes, you will win games at this level.
3: TJ, was it enough reaction tonight for you, particularly after that defeat at Newcastle?
4: No, no. I don't think anybody would say that. Did anybody, you know, if it was if it was the second half from the from the whistle, we'd all be jubilant right now. Like, Chris, you and I were yesterday while watching another game. Um, (laughs) You know, if, if it was like all guns are blazing, leave everything out on the pitch, you know, from the kickoff then all of us would have stood up with all of the problems that we're having, with all of the issues that we're having from the ownership down. We would have stood up and gone, thank you, boys, for coming out and showing us that you give a damn and for giving it absolutely everything. And then no one's going to even talk about your ability. I don't believe that there are any bad football... Well, there are a couple who aren't of the level, but none of them are bad footballers. If you come and give it 100%, you're young, fit, strong, you'll get a result. I can't remember, there was a manager back in the day, I think it was like in the 50s or the 60s, I think he managed like Sheffield United or something, and he had a very basic ethos of how you win football matches, and he said, if your heels hit your ass more times than the oppositions, you'll win the game, and it's about tenacity and effort. So that surmises my feelings to today's
0: contest. Darren, let's come to you. Let's get your thoughts on tonight's game. You know what? It was an interesting one. And just to let you know, Chris, when you step out of that stadium, it is bitter out here. The rain is horrible. Just letting you know, mate. Just letting you know. Um, for me, it was a tricky one because obviously we all wanted a reaction and we wanted to see our beloved Spurs show us something. And we saw it in fits and starts. It wasn't there all the time. And Ryan Mason is not going to reinvent the wheel. And we know we did little bits to try and change the 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 setup of how things work on a match day. And those little things may have helped confidence. But we start the same. We started in a way that we just confused. And it, again, the confidence wasn't there. And again, they tried to press. Then they fall off it. And it's, it's one of those things where the season... TJ made some really good points there about how there are only one team that is literally blasting away when you talk about quality and levels of play. And that's Man City. But even they have moments where they fall off. And I think what I've realised with our team and our squad and what's going on right now in our club is there's a lot of mess that can't be cleaned up quickly. And after that Newcastle result, we weren't going to get much more than we got today. We got a half, we have got 45 minutes and we'll take that. We'll take 45 minutes of effort and passion and desire. Maybe we'll get 70 in the next game. Maybe we'll get 80 in the one after that. But right now I'm taking the small wins over the big wins because this team needs a lot of work. And right now, if we... If we give too much thumbs up and too much support to a 2-2 draw in a game where if if we play at our best, Man United were there to be beaten, then we're, we're not really giving us a true assessment of where our club's at right now. So you know what? Little strides, small wins. Second half was a lot better. And all I can do is look at the little wins. And that's a little win for me
3: i tell you what, Darren, that, that point tonight can be absolutely vital as well to the Premier League table yeah. because, of course, we've gone up to fifth. Um,
0: you know, 2-1 down, we were sitting in seventh in a Europa Conference yeah. League spot. Absolutely, and I think it's going to be down to the players. Again, I think putting the, the onus and the, the, the impotence on them to go, now look at the table. Again, where do you want to be? It's down to you. There are points available. There are points to be won. In the first half, we didn't care about that game. We didn't care about the the table. We didn't care about the points. And in the second half, again, we became, we were back to second half FC again. And that's one step forward. I'm still waiting for this 90-minute Spurs that is in us. And when it arrives, I'll be very happy about it. But right now, we take the 45, we take the lift up in, in the table. And I think from a boardroom perspective, that's a scary thing because there was a lot of protests today and fans did what they needed to do today. And I respect them for what they had to do. And I think what happened today in the league is what the board need the board need us to be in Europe because they need that for us to be able to buy players for the right investments to come in so it, we've got to take the small win again it's a small win we don't we're not champions league worthy this season i wouldn't want to say this squad looks like it's anywhere near it but if it's in europe and that allows the right managers still to want to come and the right players to want to still come then i'll take that as a win again small wins chris i'm on small wins
3: yeah, I agree. Um, Ricky, let's come to you. Roy Price writes here, Um very good second half by us, and the players did try hard. Have a pint for your birthday, Ricky. Chris, you owe Ricky this £10. Happy birthday, buddy. Rick, give me your thoughts on tonight's match.
5: Oh, mate, do you know what? It was crazy. First and foremost, it was fantastic to be here, you know, in and around my birthday as well, you know. So it was fantastic, and I don't care how dark and how terrible it is at Spurs. Coming around that corner after the train and walking up to see the stadium always makes me smile. Walking in, seeing Tottenham everywhere always makes me smile. I, I've been saying to uh, Chris and his dad tonight that like I'm just buzzing being here. And then you know that feeling when you see the pitch, it just, it just gives me something. I don't know what it is I, and, and it happened as well. Uh, I can't remember when, but it was against Aston Villa here and we, we was having a terrible time of it then. And I just remember sitting it, it was under Nuno. And I remember sitting and speaking to Chris again and just going, oh, you know what? I know we're having a terrible time, but it just gives me that buzz. So I definitely had that about me today, all right? But on the game and being here and watching it, there's a couple of things that I noticed. One, the, the amount of people that do not communicate with each other, and the only one that I spotted communicating with the team. The only one that I spotted communicating with the team was Ollie Skip, right? I didn't. Dyer, he threw his arms about I think, a couple of times. The only one that was clapping, shouting, you know, trying to bring them together, trying to organise either the defence or trying to organise something down forward was Oli Skipton, And I think that's why he's in that player consortium or whatever the case may be. Um, so there was definitely a lack of communication in that first half especially after the first goal the body language right and watching it from the stand where you can pinpoint your own focus you're not you know you're not kind of um, restricted to what, what the cameras are showing you seeing that body language tonight it was I thought, ah oh, we're in for another four or five or six here do you know what i mean but there was a reaction um, what i did notice there was a couple of tackles flying in and to jump on the back of what darren was saying there you know small wins I saw tackles being flown in. I saw crosses being put in. Sometimes there was a cross being put in and nobody was there. But I saw a bit of an effort. Once those goals went in, the, the body language is bad. But then when they came out for the second half, at least there was a reaction. And these are the things. It's like, we're, Dow, we're not going to get a 90-minute Tottenham Hotspur this season. I don't think. I think the season, like for that, the season's gone. It's about small things, about small wins like you said there. Because the confidence is is all over the place, the faith is all over the place, the the kind of the belief in one another is a bit all over the place. So, even though Ryan Mason is not a manager, I've got to applaud him for saying whatever he said at halftime or for pulling that group together because they haven't been together. We they haven't clicked in the whole season. You know, we're waiting for them to be buzzing the whole season for a 90 minutes. Not gonna happen. But I, I've got to give Ryan Mason, Tottenham boy through and through credit for doing whatever he done at halftime and making early subs as well to affect the game and for us to at least get that 2-2 draw so I'm actually happy with the 2-2 draw because I was expecting four five and six again so at least we had some little reaction come on you Spurs, Craig
6: let's come to you let's get your thoughts on this evening's game yeah, game of two halves. If ever there was one, I think um, players looked really nervous in the first half. I thought, they, you know, there's opportunities where they had uh, chances to play the ball over the top, and uh, people were just taking the simple sideways pass again. Um, obviously, the start wasn't brilliant, although we started off better than we did at Newcastle. So little <laughs> little wins there <laughs> couldn't be much worse, could it? Um, but yeah, first half was slow again um it was almost like uh beginning of the season where we was we were second half fc um obviously greatly improved in the second half um but as you say at this this stage you know you would you'd take a point against united um the way we've been doing the last few games um and to be honest i'd be happy with fifth fourth fourth is gone obviously now um and we're probably we're probably right to be in fifth, to be honest. And I'll take a Europa League spot because I think we're at that standard, and we probably will be next year as we're building again. Because it's like Gary put brilliantly, I thought, uh, on the show the other night. Um, you know, it's you get a Champions League spot, and it is exactly like going to Westfield with no money in your pocket. What is the point? You know, we're not we're not gonna we're not gonna win it. With this current squad, um a lot of work to be done. But I do think if we get in the Europa League we could give it a, a damn good shot, to be honest. And you have to be realistic. That is that is our level at the moment, that's where we are. Um as TJ said, I think it is a it's not the best United side we've ever come up against. I don't think they're they're everything everybody makes them out to be. I think they've got mistakes in them. Um I have to say I thought Ericsson was pretty good again to tonight, and it just goes to show uh, what we missed out on as you know we said on this channel many times in that first half they commentated on, on the telly they were dead right Casemiro Ericsson and Fernand, Fernandez were getting so much space in the middle of the park not being shut down they could pick a pass pick a through ball do whatever they want look at plenty of time to look up and then in the second half we pressed and we changed and and we got back into the game so overall um like I say game of two halves and um a great comeback in the end. Now, let's have a look at the match stats. Spurs had
3: 40% possession to Manchester United's 60. We had 18 shots to Manchester United 17. We had seven on target to Manchester United eight. Corners, Spurs six, Manchester United eight. And fouls, Spurs eight, Manchester United seven. Um, let's talk about the starting 11, because Ryan Mason did make a couple of changes. Uh, Fostering goal, the back three of Romero, Dyer and Lengley, uh, the wing backs Pedro Poro and Ivan Perisic in the center of midfield, Hoybier and Skip, and in the front free of Rasharlison, Harry Kane, and Hunmin Son. Subs this evening, Austin Tanganga, Sanchez Saar, Davis Mundell, Lucas, Dan Juma, and Kulosevsky. Um, TJ, let's come to you on the start of 11. Any surprises there for you? Were you surprised that Ryan Mason set up in this way?
4: Um, not really. I was disappointed. I'm so bored with this three center backs, god, it's so tedious in every sense of the word. It's so it's so predictable. And also, you know, not having that extra man in midfield. Um, and to Craig's point, we were so terrified in that first half. You know, you take a, a beating like we did up in Newcastle and it really shakes one's confidence. Um, remember, <laughs> God, here we go already into the nostalgia. Remember sort of five or six years ago, you <laughs> know, peak potch. Um, where we just used to, we, we would play out the back under immense pressure, like, you know, under like a Klopp press from Liverpool. And we would play these round the corner one-time passes. And I would be sitting there, you know, with my unmentionables up in my throat thinking, oh my God, you know, one pass goes astray and they're in on goal. And you know what? 99 times out of 100, there there never was an errant pass because we just clicked and we knew what we were doing. And it's, I mean, not to compare ourselves, but of course it's what City have done. And also what that mob from down the road have been doing so effectively this year. if you don't have the confidence to play like that, if we are going to play very, very defensively with pretty much a back five, you know, let's be honest, three at the back. No, it's five at the back. Well, then we need to change tactically if, if, if what it is we're going to do. Trying to put a long ball over the top to somebody like Harry Kane isn't going to work. He doesn't have the pace. He never has. And of course, unless he is the one playing that long ball, is not going to get to its intended target anyway. I want to shout out Romero today, though, saying that. Um, you know, Romero's range of passing was really impressive today. Of course, he makes his tackles. Of course, he was full-blooded, as he always is. I'm sure he picked up a yellow. I can't remember if he did. I'm sure he would have done. Um, but he seemed to be uh, more controlled today. And to Ricky's point about a lack of leadership and a lack of um, communication, um, that was really an astute point, actually, Rick. I was th- I was really fascinated when you were talking about that. Um, I'm really surprised that the only person who seemed to be vocal, um, you know, from your vantage point was like a 22 year old Oliver Skip, or, you know, however however old he is. He sort of looks like he's 90, but also 19. It's a strange um, dichotomy. But um, I I think that he, Romero stepped up and was making so many progressive passes, actually, in both halves, I thought Skip was far too negative today. And again, like when he receives the ball, his first look is always backwards rather than forwards. Yes, he improved in the second half, but not enough for for, for my liking. But again, if you're outmanned in the midfield, it's it, it's, it's very difficult. Um, and so with that starting 11, I was disappointed, but not surprised. Here he was the biggest issue for me today. And it's a Richarlison thing. And Chris, you and I were talking about this. Um there is a state of consciousness that I as a person cannot stand. It's in life, on the football pitch, whatever you do for a living or you don't do for a living, what I cannot stand is victimhood. I cannot stand it. There's so much of that as well in present society because of a lot of social media. Oh, I'm a victim, I'm a victim, I'm a victim. Feel sorry for me. And it really gets my goats. Richarlison came on today with the with the with the attitude of a petulant child who'd had his rattle taken away 3 seconds before he ran out onto the pitch flopping it around you know if somebody was pressuring it, if you're playing with your back to goal the defender's job is going to he's going to try to use his physicality and nick the ball off you that's the game and he's flopping around and waving his hands in the air and waving his hands at the referee none of those were fouls and of course he didn't get any of them called as fouls and then he just goes like that and and, and throws his hands in the air That's not why we paid £60 million for you, mate. We paid £60 million for you to roll that defender, get through on goal and shoot. And so he bothered me enormously today. I do think there's a great player in there. He's not going to light it up for Brazil and then be, you know, absolute turd for for Tottenham. He's an excellent player. But that attitude is the difference between winning and losing, and it sets a precedent as well for other players. When he went off, not only... Is he replaced by somebody who doesn't have a victim's attitude? But also that negativity is lifted off the shoulders of everybody else. Because if you are wearing the number nine shirt for Tottenham Hotspur and you are tasked with scoring goals and you are running around like a mulish child at the park whose mum has said, no, you can't have a toffee apple today, you bring down the levels of everybody around you. So he was an enormous, enormous issue just with his attitude today. And we cannot allow, if that's going to remain... You can go. You can go. You know, I don't care how much you cost. I don't care how good you are. Unless you can turn your attitude around and build people up rather than bring them down, bye bye.
3: Darren, let's come to you on the starting 11. Of course, Fraser forced to come in for the injured Hugo Lloris. Lengley was back in the team. Rasalison was in the starting 11. Um, any surprises
0: on the way that Ryan Mason set up this evening? Um, No. Um, I I thought that's what he was going to go to. My only concern was I would have preferred him to have played um, Davis to start rather than Perisic. That was just my take on it. Um, You know why I love these pods is when we have what we've just had there, TJ's opinion on Richarlison, because I'm going to throw a different angle at it and I'm just going to see what people feel on it. Richarlison, to me, in the first half, gave us something that we've really lacked in a long time at Spurs. And it's something that I was watching quite, quite closely with Richarlison. He's not scored. He's He comes on the pitch and he wants to play. He fights. He has to fight himself into a match. He's got a weird mentality, it. He had it at Everton. He has to ride himself up to get into a game. He likes a physical battle. He likes to be kicked. He likes, to have, he likes the roughness of the game. But what Richarlison gave us today was an outball all the time. He was always the outball. If he wanted to go long, he held it and he got the fouls. Or He was he was busy. They didn't want him. wan Saka didn't want to play against him today. And Lendelof didn't want to play against him. He spun him a number of times. And that was an interesting thing for me because like, Richarlison is a great outball. I think what we as Spurs fans have got to also look at is we don't play in a way that accommodates the style that Richarlison plays at. When we talk about overlapping, if he was central and he had the players running around him, If he had an on-point son, he would be phenomenal because there were moments when he whipped in crosses, when he broke free, and Pedro Poro, for me in the first half, had an absolute shocker, defensively and offensively. And I think when other elements of the game isn't working, you really pinpoint Richarlison because you see his flailing arms. But that is part of his game. That is also part of the, the new footballing culture. Players respond and react in that way. I think that with Richarlison, when he gets his goals... I don't want to see him leave. That's one point. I don't want to see him leave. And I feel that with the uncertainty around Kane, if Kane was to be the the one that is sold for financial reasons, because Enit's got to work out how to balance the books, I think with Richarlison as a figurehead of our front line, I think there's a lot more that can come out of it than we lose out of it. And I think there's a lot of positive in his game still. I'm not I'm not unhappy with what he was doing on the pitch in that first half. He was one of the small wins again. He was one of my small wins of the first half with him trying to make things happen, making the defenders work, making them have a horrible first half because he was trying when I didn't see any of that from Sun or Kane in that first half. So yeah, that was my element. Um, In terms of the 11, all I thought was I wanted Davis to start. I would have liked Dan Juma to get more minutes today, which I still feel for the guy. I do go, boy, I don't see him wanting to stay at Spurs at the end of this loan. I do feel for him. And I think Longley had a good, a good mo- He had good moments today. Again, small wins, small wins going with that. But yeah, Richarlison, just a different take on him.
3: That's what I was going to come on to. Let's, let's come to you, Rick, um, on the whole Dan Juma situation. Of course, he's come in in the January transfer window. He's had very, very limited game time in the Premier League. Um, he scored a couple of weeks ago against Bournemouth here at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. What more does the guy need to do to get a start?
5: Um, I really don't know, mate. I really don't know. Um, Ali Gold came out with a great point a couple of weeks ago. Maybe it was a week ago. There's so much drama in Tottenham that you just end up losing your weeks. But he came up uh, with a great kind of point that um, he has a bundle of energy about him, and he has a positivity about him. He has a hunger and a want to do well for Tottenham. And you've got to kind of hone that. You've got to. You've got to kind of encourage it. You've got to, you know, kind of infuse it with some energy as well to kind of l- try and let that spread throughout the, the the side because there's not a lot of that going on within the first 11 um, so I don't know what he's got to do to, to get a start or to to kind of get more minutes because especially with Richarlison coming back now he look I, I think he's probably fully fit now so there's you know there's no really real reason for him to not come off the bench so if he you know if Richarlison is going to be the first one that comes off the bench as a first option if not start then how far down is Dan Juma going to go down the pecking order? It's, it's tough for Dan Juma it's tough you can see the want there you can see him you know in the training um, center until the you know very late at night or earlier in the morning you can see him working you can see him putting out positive posts as well he wants to do well for us and even that um even that uh, interview, I think, uh, against Bournemouth, uh, where he was like, we had to go for the win. You know, Bournemouth scored in the last second on a counter-attack when we were trying to go for the winner. And he was saying along the lines of, we've got to go for the win. We're Tottenham Hotspur. And I like those lines. You know, I haven't heard that in a while. So I, I don't know what he's got to do. But on a little bit of a sidebar before we get kicked out, I've got to say, just for the boys here, that it was so easy for Man United to cut us, cut through us, cut us open. Um, anytime that they wanted to, they could run run right through us. There was a little bit of a change in the second half, but I've got to tell you that I, I didn't see Dyer make an actual tackle or a challenge. I saw him run alongside, I saw him block, but I didn't see him actually make a tackle. The only one that made a tackle for me, and I couldn't really have my eye on Longley from where I was sitting. But uh, the only one that was making tackles for me was Romero. And th- th- there's a lot of problems in this squad. There's a lot of things that need to be healed. There's a lot of things that need to be fixed. And it's not going to be fixed in two training sessions under Ryan Mason as yet. The, uh, at least Ryan recognises the problems because he knew what to say in that second half to get some type of reaction. Right, Chris, we're about to get kicked out. I'm just letting you know. Uh, the security is hovering. I'm just letting you know, bro.
3: I'm going to go on walk to the car. Ricky, I know you've got to go home on the train, so um, thank you so much for coming on um, for this short period and uh, it's been a pleasure having um, you with me tonight. Um, it's been great, so thank you so much and we will see you again soon.
5: Listen, um, always an honour and a pleasure. Thank you for having me and thank you for, you know what I mean, for, for being great company tonight, you and your dad. Thank you for being nice great Nice to see you, Ricky. Tonight. Happy
4: birthday, mate. Nice to see you. Good thank Vandramo, DJ. See you, love, Cheers, love, Rick. Love, love Craig,
5: Cheers. love Dad. Have a good nice one. On yes. Take it easy, guys.
4: Greg, I'm
3: going to leave the show in your very capable hands and uh, I will be back very, very soon.
6: Okie dokie. Okie dokie. No pressure. TJ. Yeah, no pressure. God, I can feel the pressure. I can feel the pressure. Um, I'll just give my opinion on this first. And TJ, if you let me know what you think. I've got a feeling Ryan Mason would rather play four at the back. I'm not convinced that he was ever sold on this three at the back and I agree about it I'm kind of sick of seeing it but I think personally that we haven't got the personnel at the moment to play a proper back four because for me the best back four you could you could say Dyer, or you could say Romero and AN other whether it be Dyer or Lenglow right but in my opinion you've got to have Ben Davis if he's fit and uh, Emerson Royale, <clears throat> and of course we haven't got both them and we've seen I thought Porro. I agree. I think it was you, Darren, was saying. I thought he was dreadful in that first half. He was found out really for the first goal again. I thought it's well, certainly a portion to blame there. What, what do you think on that, DJ? Do you think, do you think um, we'd look better with a back four with those two full-backs, essentially? And do you think Porro could ever make it as a fullback rather than a
4: wingback? Uh, I mean, listen, I, I I concur. I think that you know most. Tottenham fans are, are looking at our current squad and saying we probably don't have the personnel to play in the shape that we want to play. Um, we've had identity issues for so long, for for so many seasons. Really, since, you know, Potch departed, we've had an identity crisis. Um, and so, firstly... Three at the back, three centre backs is not Tottenham. That's not how we play. Win or lose, that isn't how we play. Yeah, so I would like to go back to a back four. You know, do we have the personnel? It's 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 a it's almost a, a bigger conversation because to look at the players that we currently have, like and, and again, who would have thought a couple of months ago we would have been talking about Emerson Royale as like, oh God, you know what a big miss for us. You know, I mean, myself included. Like I was. I can't believe that he ever made it as a professional footballer, let alone, you know, playing in the, in the Premier League at a, a, you know, quote unquote, big six club, but he turned it around. And I take my hat off to the guy because he very famously put his, his own hand in his own pockets and paid for training and diet and all sorts of, you know, futuristic uh, techniques to improve himself. And it works. So I take my hat off to the guy, you know, fair play. Um, so he's injured. So what do we do? Um, I guess it's difficult for me to admit that with Ben Davis and Longley and Dyer and Ram- and Romero and Tanganga and Porro, we can't pick four players out of that who could do a job for us. It's very depressing to kind of admit that, but you're probably right. Um, the bigger problem than that, I think right now, is that we haven't trained to play like that. We've had too many coaches who are so, so defensive since Nuno and then Jose and then Conte and then Conte-Lite that was this disaster that was uh, Stellini. And so rather than the personnel, I think they need to be retrained to play in that system because, and of course, we're also missing Basuma and we're missing, um, you know, Benton Kerr, who right from day one was like one of the best players we've had in a long time and kind of gives me Um, Moussa Dembele vibes, you know, who was one of my favourite Tottenham players of all time. Um, So yeah, you're you're probably right, mate, that we don't have the personnel A, because of lack of current ability but also they've just kind of forgotten how to how to do that could Porro learn that position i don't see why not it's not he's you know he's gifted technically he's strong he's fast he can use both feet so i think he could do it he's a very young man who's just moved to a very different culture to a really big club. Yes, he was at Sporting and you know they're a big club in, in Portugal and when they feature in Europe, they tend to do well, but it's not like playing in the Premier League. It just isn't. And so I think he'll come good if, if given time, um, but I would love to see just a more positive setup um, because, of course, we all know where our jewels lie and our jewels lie at the other end of the pitch. So working out some sort of system to provide them with a bit more Um, possession I think would would
6: benefit us tremendously So do you think um, 4-2-3-1 would be the formation that Mason would want to play if he had had a bit more time
4: yes, I think it would be an enormous risk to try that now Um, and it probably I mean listen he could risk it, I don't think there are many people out there saying he's going to get the job full time so I think he could risk it um, and with five games to go, are we still six off top four? Why not? I, I don't know. I don't know what you guys think. Maybe you know, Darren. I, I don't know. You, what do you guys think?
6: Yeah, I mean, what do you, what do you reckon, Darren? I, I, I agree. I would just throw caution to the wind, not it yeah. is that the best way.
0: The way I would look at it is, we've got all these games to play, and it's all trial and error right now. And like we said there, Ryan Mason is. Is not going to get the job long-term. Let's just be really honest. He knows that. So for me, if I was Ryan Mason, I would go, let me throw all the things that I would want because I'm going to come from a fan perspective. I, I love the side. I love the team. I want to see that. The four two three one is the Tottenham formation that we'd all love to see back in, 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 in the stadium and being worked. And like you say, the personnel is a problem. You look at Pedro Poro, and as Craig, we both kind of looked at it today, he was a mess at times. Positionally, um, he was all out of sorts at the back and just he doesn't close the ball down well enough at the back. And then, as, as TJ quite rightly said, we're saying, we want Emerson Royal back. It's crazy that the words are coming out of our mouth, but that's, that's where we're at. So if I was Mason, I would go, let's play that formation. For the next game, I would absolutely give it a go. I understood the caution today against Man United. I understood him going, I'm a bit scared. I don't know whether to do this. I'm only going to make a few changes. I'm going to, I've, I've made one big change. I've gone back to the old formation. That's one big change. Now I'm going to see how this plays out. We've got a 2-2 draw. Passion came in. Now, throw caution to the wind. What, what What is the worst thing that could happen? The worst thing happened last week. I don't see us having anything worse than that right now. So I would say go for it. I'd absolutely give Skip, give Pape Sarr, give people like that minutes. See what they can do. I would, I would personally play Richarlison as the up top by himself. I play Kane behind with either Kulicheski and Son or Dan um, Danjuma and um, Kulicheski either side because Son's been up and down. He needs a little break sometimes. I would, I would literally go. Let's test it all out. Let's, let's, let's go for it. Because what have I got to lose? Nothing. End of the season, I'm going to be back training the youngsters. So let me have some fun and let's go out in a blaze of glory. That's what I'll do.
4: What What do you guys think happened to to Tanganga? Remember when he started? It, it, I was, was going to under that. Jose or was it under Nuno? He had those couple of games. I remember um, he had that game against um, City. Well, he yeah. was just unbelievable, right? Just as, just as an old-fashioned right-back. Like, what happened to him?
0: I was going to jump on that. Sorry to jump in, Craig. With Tanganga, he was my other option as right-back. I think with Tanganga, the last time you saw him there, to memory, was the Crystal Palace game where Zaha got in his head and he was all over the shop and he got sent off. And I was like, OK, that's where there's elements that we have concerns about him in there. However, you're absolutely right, TJ. Why not now? I know not today because that would have been a a big question. But there's games that we've got playing next. Give him a go. Play him up right back. Because what have we got to lose? That we could gain far more from him having a great performance and us suddenly going, there is a player still in there. We can still use him. And let's give him a bit of confidence because that's what we've got to use these last few games for. I know people are saying that there's a lot in the league that we can still obtain. And I agree with them. There's still a lot that's up for grabs. But I think... Playing this formation, as we see every game, we struggle in it and it doesn't work. And when you said, TJ, about the old days when we would do that intricate passing at the back and you'd go, oh my gosh, my throat, my throat, my throat, where's this ball going to go? What are we going to do? Now you look at it and nobody wants the ball. Nobody wants to receive it. At one point in the first half, everyone was camped in our half and Skip got the ball and just smashed it as far as he could. And no one was looking for a pass. No one was showing for it. And it's it's sad when you watch players play like that because you go, confidence is gone. You, you're not trusting your ability, but also the system. Because Kane... Son, they were literally living as, as wing-backs at one point. I was like, why are we why are we doing this? Because you're not trusting that Pedro's got it. You're not trusting that Perisic has got it. And that's where the concerns for me are happening, that no one's trusting each other and no one believes in each other to go, I believe I can pass you the ball and you're going to turn on the sixpence. I believe you want the ball. No one was showing for it. And it's it's sad when you see that lack of confidence and ability because the players we have in our squad, are not as technically gifted, especially at the back, as what we had before when we were blessed with Walker, Rose, um, all the world are, um, like Jan. We we were blessed with technically gifted players at the back who take a touch, but also they had an outball always in Dembele. He was always the outball. He always wanted it. And, yeah, we don't have that anymore.
6: No, that's right. And you you know what it's proved to me? Um, uh, what a big miss um, Ben Tenkour is. It's just, it's just huge, isn't it? Huge, huge miss. I mean, uh, he's a totally different player to anybody else that we've got in there. And obviously, we haven't seen the best of Bisuma either every this season. I was quite excited when we signed him. I, I thought, you know, that's showing real intent. But for whatever reason, you know, he's, he's obviously had a bad injury as well, which doesn't help. But for me, what, what this current squad comes down to, and I, th- I thought it was TJ... Uh, hinted hinted on it earlier. This squad is made up. The makeup of this squad is kind of four, five managers worth of players. It's like a mishmash, isn't it? And not one of those managers since Poch really has had a chance to rebuild the squad in their own image. Now, the last three managers, uh, as we've said many times, have been pragmatic. They've been boring, a lot of people would say, and I'd probably agree with that, you know, but I was quite excited when... When Jose came in, I thought, OK, I don't like his style of football, but he's a serial winner. I didn't feel much about Nuno, to be fair, but I felt a bit excited about Conte. Well, I was very excited about Conte. Again, never really liked his style of football, but I thought if anybody can get us over the line, it's going to be him. And as we all know, we haven't had the same manager for a whole season since, I think, it's 2018 or 19. Uh, it's crazy when you say it like that. So... Um, uh, look, there's, we've got loads of problems with this team and squad, but all we've got to do is, is just think, next season we'll have a director of football in place, we'll have a manager in place, hopefully we'll keep hold of, of Harry. Um, I still don't believe he's going to go, and I know I'm going off on a tangent here, but I still don't believe he's going to go. Again, what wound me up and it winds me up constantly, and I, I know Darren's been on here, we've, we've discussed this before, the media BT Sport were doing it tonight, constantly trying to sell Harry Kane. They don't do it with anybody else. It's always Harry Kane. It really,
4: really <laughs> winds me up. So, just, just, to, just to jump in on that as well, Craig, about yeah. the media. Isn't it extraordinary that Tottenham still dominate the footballing headlines? Look yeah. at Chelsea, dude. Look yeah. at Chelsea. This is the, by far the most successful London club in the history of English football is Chelsea. That's nothing, I don't want, you know, maybe Tottenham's going to go, oh, How dare you say it? This is just numbers, guys, just, just facts, right? Easily the most successful London team that there is. They've spent £500 million in one transfer window and they are nowhere. Couldn't buy a result, couldn't do it. Yet, oh, Tottenham this, Tottenham that. Same with Liverpool. Aren't they the most successful British club in the history of European football, right? It's Liverpool, mm. Liverpool Football Club absolutely having... They drew yesterday, right? They didn't win. They, no, they
6: did win. They won two, Oh, they one. did win in the end.
4: OK, yeah, good. Yeah. They won in the end. Um, But still, we're still ahead of them in the table. They've had an absolute shocker, but Tottenham still dominates the headlines. Sorry to jump in on, on top of you there, mate, but, you know, as no. far as media goes, there is no question that Tottenham will always be the most malign club. And actually, that's been proven we are the most maligned club. Like, again, with social media um, um, exercises and, and uh, various um, polls that have been um, drafted on social media, Tottenham Hotspur receives more negative comments than any other club in the world, let alone in England. So um, th- there is a special place for that. Uh, we won't get into the Harry thing unless you guys want to. It's it's your show. But um, I, I even when we were talking about having pragmatic managers um, which means defensive yes you know we have enormous defensive frailty but that is personnel the fact that I'm sure he's a nice boy right and it's hard to talk about these guys you know they are human beings and I always try to be conscious of of that Um, but you know life is competitive all of our jobs if we go to work and we don't perform you are replaced with somebody else Uh, That's just life. And so to look at somebody, Eric Dyer was the third string centre-back nine years ago. And he's almost the first on the call sheet for every Tottenham game. That is absolutely unacceptable. Um, Thinking about the bigger, the larger problems that we have at Tottenham Hotspur, I touched a little bit on identity earlier. I'm, I'm sure that, you know, these, well, I know that these topics have been discussed before on this show and, you know, in other shows and on social media and what have you um for me the 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 biggest problem that we have is that we allow substandard players to remain not only at the club but starting so again if you look at that horror show from last week remember when we lost um five I think it was 5-1 to Newcastle in 2016 is that right Darren shaking yeah you're nodding your head yeah um it was obviously after we'd lost the title to, to Leicester, and you know we were very despondent, and we went up there, and we got a drubbing you know 5-1. Um, five of those Tottenham players are still at the club. None are at Newcastle. Zero who played in that game are at Newcastle. Five of them are still at Tottenham, and four of them are regular starters. That is an enormous, an enormous issue, and that, of course, falls on the shoulders very much of our owners and our recruiters and the people in the offices, not the guys down on the pitch.
6: Yeah, I I agree with that. And what I think is with Tottenham, and in a way, this is just my opinion, but I think we've created such a wonderful area for people to train in. You know, it's very comfortable. They've got a five-star hotel on site. They've got everything they could possibly wish for. One of the best stadiums in the world. I just think players come to our club, this is how it seems to me, and they're just comfortable. They think, oh, this is all right here this is absolutely fantastic. I'll pick up my wages. I'll, you know, I'll do, I'll do my job. Um, I'll go through the motions. And it's, it's incredibly difficult to get these players out because they don't have to go if they don't want to. The club could turn around and say to them, right, you're, you know, we're putting you up for transfer. And the player turned around and say, well, I don't really want to leave. I don't, don't really want to leave. You can't make me leave. I've got a contract. I'll stay and I'll, I'll be here as long as I want to be. You know, and I just don't, I think you're right. I think there's, we could all name seven or eight players that have probably been here too long and have not outstayed their I, welcome. I have a standing dinner here with,
4: with one of my best friends, another Tottenham guy. He, he lives in LA. We have a standing dinner. If we're both in town, we have dinner with each other every Wednesday. We drop a list of all the players. There's 12 on that list. I mean, one of them is Mora, who's leaving anyway, but there's 12 players on that list mm. who, who have yeah. to go. 12, 12 players. That's unacceptable. And that's leadership. That's, that's leadership. Again, any managing director or CEO in any other company on earth, that many mistakes, that pattern of, of re- repeat negligence, of course, is given a golden handshake. You know, these uber wealthy people that run the world, they're never kind of sent packing, you know, and they're sort of walking out of there with a, you know, with a Tesco's bag or whatever. You know, they are given a golden handshake, several hundred million pounds and off they go. But marching orders are in order. Because the structure of the club is broken and that's unacceptable. We're a football club, not an entertainment and real estate club. And actually having the best stadium, having the best training ground and everything. I mean, I actually feel that that's embarrassing now. You know, you know, that kid who turns up to play football and has got the best boots and the bag and the the rucksack and the best tracksuit and the hat and, you know, and then, you know, goes and runs around and couldn't find his own ass with both hands. You know, it's that all the gear, no idea. Well, we're looking like that kid right now, a spoiled brat with all the best toys, but entirely ineffective. And it's it's unacceptable.
6: Yeah. Just bringing it back to the game because we've gone off on a tangent, as, as fascinating as it as it is. So Darren, just just would you, let look. We let Sancho sh- score. Um, I can hear Anthony Costa saying, "I knew it." The only thing <laughs> he probably got wrong was was um, vehicles Come on, I thought, no, no, no. Costa can't be right about that one. Sure, yeah, you can't get one of them. Yeah. Um, so obviously, Sancho scored bad defending uh, again. Uh, you could hear the stadium the groans, and you think, oh, we know where this is going. The Levy out chance started again. The second goal, obviously, good finish from Rashford, but again, um, a long ball down the side, beat Eric Dyer for pace. I'm not quite sure what Eric Dyer was doing. I thought it was terrible defending. I'm not quite sure what he wasn't really showing him.
4: Yeah, outside. 5 not as well, at, Craig. Yeah, he, he did. It, head start.
6: it was, oh, I, look, I get it, Rashford's fast, but that it looked like Dyer was running through treacle. Um, yeah. Great finish from Rashford, right? And um, I don't know if you guys saw. Um, the camera was on Levy at that point. Oh, And Donna, so. Donna Cullen was behind him. And I thought she said, he's shit, rather than this is shit. So, so if you get a chance, have a look. It, um, I think I thought, she, and obviously, because it was Dyer's error, I would say. Um, I thought she was saying he shit but you know have a look and uh, see what you guys think but Darren what were we doing for talk, talk me through either of them goals whichever one you feel you want to talk
0: about because that was bad wasn't it? Yeah it was bad they were both They were both bad on so many elements and I think the first one it was again it was about positional sense and if, if Ricky listening now on his travel on the train I know again here goes Darren the defending because that's me Like Pedro Porro, his positional sense, it was shocking in that. And just the idea of what you're doing with a player when you pass them across, if you're inviting them onto their stronger foot, you've got to press the ball between himself and Romero. One of them has to engage. You've got to engage him to make that shot more difficult because you've given your keeper no hope because he's now screened. He can't now see it. So you've got to do something to the ball or you are just giving Sancho, pick your spot. And that's what we did. Pick your spot, mate. And he did beautifully done, well executed. Now, the Rashford goal, it, it, it highlighted other things in that moment because the spell of play for me was all about confidence as well. Just before that, we broke and Perisic was through. One-on-one, It was, it's the dream situation to have. And just for all Spurs fans, we bought this guy. I know it was a free transfer, but he's getting paid a hell of a lot of money. So you might as well have bought him from Inter, because those situations is what is his bread and butter. He is that guy. That's what he does. That was what Conte wanted, that attack minded. That's why Rigolon was shipped away. That's why Sessignon was put on the back burner, because he was going to learn from this guy, and this is what he's all about. It was a shocking finish. He had the whole goal to aim at, and he hits it straight at the game. And you go, oh. And also, if you you watch the energy of our players in that moment, everyone did that. Oh. He slides to try and win it at the corner flag. He also had the
4: time and space to shift left onto right and just pass oh, it into the corner. He had he That's had actually the whole quite an world. easy skill that you can go yeah. left onto right, open up your body, and just pass it into the corner. Sorry yeah. to interrupt, Steve, but no, You're, you're absolutely right,
0: man. Great analogy. It was there. It, He had all the options. He had everything at his disposal, and he's meant to.
1: To find out if it's right for you,
2: picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Be the one who is is,
0: more equipped and more adept at dealing with that situation, and he did it badly. The whole energy of the team went he down. He never looked
4: confident, though, did he? His body language no. was all no. wrong. You know he when, I can't remember the, the last defender that he beat to be through on goal, I think it was Lindelof. When yeah. he'd beaten him, he almost looked like, oh God, I can't believe it. I can't believe that I'm through on goal. He didn't expect to beat the last defender. And then when he was through on goal, he just, he never looked confident about Finishing that move, and so you're right, he just had a very tame left footed e- left-footed effort right at and then, head. yeah, and that yeah, energy
0: yeah. transferred to them breaking down the other end. And as we quite rightly said, again, defending Eric Dyer, you know, Marshall's right, you know, Rashford, you play against him internationally, you know what his feet are like, you know, the ability. You give yourself two options you either show him or if you're showing him onto his left again, you press the ball, you can't give him that much space or you invite him on the other side, you want to try and twist him. You've got to make a choice. And what Eric Dyer never does. He's not quick enough, Darren. Choice. He's just not quick and enough. And that's the thing. You know what if I mean? not if, even enough. if he
4: knew that, which he probably may, let's say he does know that because you should know that, right? At this level, because yeah. everything you're saying is absolute gospel. You cannot give him enough space. Definitely show him left. Definitely, Mm -hmm. because you'd rather him on his left than his... Not that his left's not mustered, it is, but it's not like his right. And again, if it's on his right, you can just open up his body and pass it into the corner easily, right? We could probably do that. Mm -hmm. But you definitely show him left. What Dyer does have is mass, so lean on him, but he's so slow. He's so slow. He was never in a position to make that challenge, sadly. Yeah.
6: Yeah. Yeah. And again, before. Sorry, sorry. Great Sorry, Darren. Uh, d- just very quickly, before I hand back over to the to the Oracle, um, <laughs> uh, there was um, there was a chance, well, there was a couple in the first half. Um, this is where we're up to, uh, Chris. We went off on a bit of a tangent there, but talking about different bits and pieces. But Richarlison, I was surprised he went through. Um, didn't take a shot on. He tried to square it to Poro, and balls to pass up, and. There was one Harry, in the first half. Harry Kane put a lovely ball across, right across the six-yard area, and yeah. Porro was nowhere to be seen. And that's that's what
4: the Conte person always that wanted to... that attack, The only that joined that attack, because I was screaming. My poor dog was going mental. I was screaming, where is the support? And the only person mm-hmm. that made a positive run forward was Hoibier. Sonny was already yeah. up there. The only person who made a positive run. And you know when they, I don't know if, if it's the same footage back home, uh, but they pulled back to show... Tottenham players running forward, and all of them—Skip, Porro, Perisic, like um, and a couple of others—were just kind of jogging, and they didn't even make it into the penalty area, let alone like near the six-yard box. It was really, really disappointing.
6: Yeah, absolutely. And um, we're up to the second goal, Chris, which we've just discussed. So I'm guess we're near it, nearly at half time, and I think the booze rang out, didn't they?
3: They did indeed. Um, there are a lot of boos, um, but TJ, can I come back to you on the point about Eric Dyer? Because there are a lot of um, there's lots of speculation at the moment about Eric Dyer being given a new contract at Spurs when we don't even have a manager. What do you make of that decision? Because we we heard from Antonio Conte in recent months about clubs signing Jed Spence and Arnold Danjuma. Um, if Spurs are doing this without a manager, there Eric Dyer. You know, in my opinion, and I think you have the same opinion from what I've heard so far, um, how on earth do we progress
4: as a football club with Eric Dyer still at the back? We don't. Very short answers. It, it's easy. And again, if everybody knows that. The Now, trying to find uh, a silver lining on a particularly dark cloud is that unless there's some sort of... I mean, look, one of the things that... I mean, I'm sure people would accuse... Levy of all sorts of things, myself included. But one of the things that I would never um, lay at his doorstep is that he doesn't know how to negotiate, right? He doesn't know how to build a successful business. He's a very successful businessman. He's just not the right person to run a football club, um, in my opinion. But um, so all I'm hoping with the dire new contract, and like you said, who is you know, who is spearheading this new contract unless we have a football manager, which we don't. I don't think Ryan Mason is, you know, gunning to leave his door and go, oh, make sure that you give me Eric Dye. No one has said that for about yeah. seven or eight years, you know. And so my only hope um, with that is that we're going to give him a new, say, let's say, a two year contract or something, just so we can sell him on for a half decent amount of money. Um Maybe somebody better informed can can uh, tell me about this, because I know that for us, Eric Dyer has never counted as homegrown. That's correct, isn't it? He's always is he Portuguese? Yeah, Darren uh, nodding his head. Okay. if we were to sell him on, would he count as homegrown? Because, of course, English players are more expensive in England than, um, quote unquote, foreign players. Has he been at the club long enough Because I know that that sometimes changes. Like, if if you were very young and you come to an English club, you qualify as homegrown. Would he qualify as homegrown? Does anybody know that?
3: You're you're saying that, like, like an English club wants him?
4: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, listen, I'm trying to find a silver lining here, Chris. You know, listen, I'm not saying it would be a Premier League club, but, you know, would a club, um, you know, would a club like, uh, not to do them a disservice, but, you know, Wolves, if they survive, if Leeds survive, you know, can he go in and do a job there? Remember, he was a defensive midfielder for us, you know, for a long time. He's certainly not a big six uh, player. A hundred percent not. And also, he's been with us for nine years. Dear God. Yeah. You know, it's like TJ, a yeah, of it? furniture. of uh, so He it, has to go. So if he signs a new contract and we get some money for him, then great. If we don't, then just let him go for free. Let him go. For T- free.
6: TJ, if if yeah. he was, let's say he had three, three years left on his contract uh-huh. and you were trying to sell him. What asking price would you
4: ask for Eric Dyer? <laughs> what a question! Good lord! You're, now, now you're challenging my my abilities to negotiate. I mean, listen, it would depend. It would depend who the you know. Let maybe you know. Could, could could we potentially say feasibly? Are there any clubs in the Premier League that would want Eric Dyer? I'm not trying to do him a disservice or be disrespectful. Really, do you do you guys think? Is there anyone on the comments no. who thinks that no? there isn't a no. club that would benefit from eric Dyer. okay. No. well then in that case don't renew his contract and just let him go for nothing because if he's not going to be in the premier league what are you going to get for him 2 3 million pounds? and i know obviously 2 3 million pounds is a lot of money to you know people like us but to a football club it doesn't mean anything. so it would spare us embarrassment and also just prolonged negotiations with somebody that we don't really want at the club if he was going to go to a premier league club i would try to get five or six million pounds for him because he's english if he's not english then you know he's maybe two million quid all day long but he's
6: manager after manager five mil yeah but again, manager after
4: manager plays
6: for plays him though don't they we don't but have any options
5: mate it, we don't yeah, have any options
6: that, that, but that is a failing, isn't it?
4: A huge In Huge, huge, that huge. That's huge. what I'm saying. Huge. Like the, the, the lack of personnel and the, the fact that we have unfathomable amounts of dead wood still at the club is an enormous failing from the very top. It's not down to the players to go up and knock on the manager's door and go, I think I should be sold because I'm not really good enough. Like you said, why not stay at the seven-star hotel? I remember... um um, uh, Musa Sosoko back in the day when the training ground first opened, I I always had a real soft spot for him, just seemed like a lovely, lovely man. Um, and he said, We're getting into trouble with our wives because we don't want to go home because the you know the training ground is such a plush place to be. And at the time I thought that's an issue. That's an yes. issue. You should never be too comfortable. You know, you're supposed to be modern day gladiators. You cannot be too featherbed and and duvets and you know, massage chairs and stuff. You, you cannot be too comfortable. You know, you've got to have a terrier about you. You know, I remember um, back in the day, you know, when United were a really good side, you know, um, I'm going back a, a long way, of course, but they had that kind of never say dice, but they'd be four nil up somewhere and it would be the 93rd minute and the ball would go out for a throw in and you see Gary Neville like sprinting through the sleet to get that ball and throw it in because I want to score again. I want to put five past these guys. We've never had that we've never had that and that's what we need as as a football
3: club it seems to be very different with the modern day footballer now though because you know st james's park on sunday you know a number of the players were swapping shirts after a 6-1 defeat which i just found absolutely shocking um darren um before we talk about the second half there were boos at half time as craig rightly mentioned at 2-0 down um a number of people protesting before the stadium, uh, sorry, before the game um, outside the stadium um, about Daniel Levy and the way that the club is being run. How do you feel as a fan right now? And how do you feel um, about the Daniel Levy situation? Because a number of people who have probably sat on the fence and, and have probably thought, okay, it is what it is. I think a lot of people now are beyond frustrated. A lot of people are at breaking point. How do you feel about it?
0: Me personally, I feel that Daniel Levy, the, 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 the board, they have done a wonderful job of building a financially stable business that Spurs is now. And I'm grateful and thankful for that. My If they were watching or listening, my message to them is now this. As a footballing side, as a fan of Tottenham, I need my football team back. I need to enjoy my football team and understand the vision of my football team. I understand your vision of a business model, but I don't see your footballing model. I don't get it. We don't understand it and we need it. And if you can't give it to us, because we've been asking for this all season. We've been saying, come and talk to us as fans. Tell us the vision. If you can't tell us now, leave. Put somebody else in charge who can. Take your steps away from it. Don't worry about the business side. You've done a great job there. Now let's find the football. I think TJ and Craig, you made great points about shopping in in Westfield with no money and and that kid who turns up to football with the best boots and the best tracksuit but can't play at all. All of this is now left on the shoulders of us fans because we carry that. We can't say, look at us, we've got Beyonce concert. Well done, we've got WizKid, NFL. We go. We ain't it makes it people. worse
4: for me, exactly. in a way, Darren. I don't does. know if you feel the same. Yeah. I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed to have all of these material risk- riches yeah. and not be able to produce. You never want to be the kid who's all the gear, no idea. It's embarrassing.
0: Yeah. So I totally understand the frustrations of fans today who protested, fans who decided not to go to the game. What I'd say is the important thing about how our fan base has to think about this is everyone is at different phases of their journey. And I can't ask someone to be at my face. I'm saying in a polite way, I would like the board to either remove themselves and put people in place that want to be there in terms of from a footballing perspective. People who want to see success on the pitch and actively going to do something about it and also going to communicate with the fans in a better way. Because I think the communication between us and them has been appalling. That's what I would like to see. Other people want to go out and pull uh, pull things down and rage and scream and shout. If that's your methodology and that's your way of working, cool, but you can't ask me to do the same and, you can't expect, and I can't expect you to do the same. So I know a lot of people will be on here going, is that you saying you want Enoch out? I want you to say it. I'm saying I want change. That's what I'm saying I want. If Enoch out is the change that happens and it works because the ultimate goal I want is for our football team to be performing on the football pitch, that's what I want. That's, that's the, that's the be-all-and-end-all goal for me. I don't care what stadium we're playing in. I don't care what kit we're wearing. I want the boys to be on that pitch, giving us heart, passion and pride and playing in a system that is exciting for us and we can celebrate being Spurs fans again because that's what I want. Is that answer enough for you, Chris?
3: Well, do, do you think that,
0: that Daniel Levy and the board will sell the club? I don't think the board will sell right now because there's a number of factors for them financially that they want. They want the naming rights of the stadium because that's more money for them. They're going to want the team to be performing in a better way so it's a bigger marketing product for them. So I think we're in a catch-22 because the team's not performing on the pitch, so it's affecting their money. The the value is going to drop and they're going to want to sell it at its peak. They're greedy. We can see that. That's what it's all about. The pounds and the pence, that's what they're all about. So I think we've got another season of this. I don't think they're going to go... I think they're going to build a structure to try and appease us with a new footballing director. I think we'll see um, a director of football coming as well. And I don't know where this manager who this manager is going to be. I've already said that we're in a circus of managers right now, and it's going to be a disgustingly badly handled situation. And I feel it's going to get worse before it gets better. And I don't think they're going to leave this season. I don't see it happening because also, there's not many people who are going to want to buy Spurs at the price that they're going to want to sell Spurs. It's like Eric Dyer, leaving the board will probably price him at about 45 million right now. That's the money they're going to be wanting for an Eric Dyer. when we're talking about 5 mil, 15, 20 mil. They're talking 40, 45. He's an England international. He's this, he's that, he's that. I know it looks good on paper, but watch the highlight rule. It's shocking. That's the problem that we have is us and them, we're too far apart.
3: There's a comment on screen now. Spurs have a huge problem with having players we can't get rid of. And Daniel Levy wants to give Dyer an extension and wants to sign Clement Langley. Um, Connor writes here, Romero, man of the match uh, this
0: oh, evening. Um, Craig, for you, what do the ball need sorry, to do? Sorry. Can I jump in on one thing? You made a great point about re-signing and signing players. I can't understand a logic of doing that when we have no manager. So I would like the board to understand from a football perspective, you don't re-sign anybody. You don't sign anyone unless you've spoken to your new incoming manager. It makes no sense. Like every transfer speculation I'm hearing, I don't want to listen to it. Because until we have a manager, I don't want Longley signed. I don't want Dyer to re-sign. I don't want Kane to have a contract talk. Nobody, the only contract they should be trying to do is our manager's contract. That's it.
3: Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. And uh, one thing that I find very sad at the moment is that the fans are singing more about Daniel Levy and about the board leaving or wanting them out than actually rather than singing glory, glory, Tottenham Hotspur. And that is a real concern for me. Um, And this is exactly, uh, you know, the situation we're in. Um, Craig, for you, what do the board need to do right now to try and get some of these fans back on side, if they can?
6: They need to appoint a manager that's going to, Appease most of the fan base and stick with what Daniel Levy came out and said. The philosophy of the club was and what he, how he wants us to, how he thinks we should we should play, fast, free, flowing attacking football. Our last three managers have not been there, and I've had enough of that. You know, I, I, we're not going to get Potch. That's, quite, that's obviously gone now. And in my opinion, it's a mistake not to go and get him. But if we can't get him, we can't get him. Um, the whole Potch thing is another talking point and you could probably talk for hours about the rights and wrongs of going to Chelsea and what fans think of that. For me, Nagelsmann excites me. He was he would have been my second choice behind Potch. We know this kind of football Nagelsmann's gonna play. It excites me and it should excite every other Tottenham fan. So if you want Nagelsmann, go and get him. Give him what he wants. Get in a director of football. Very interesting that Ralph Ragnick um yeah. came out today the yeah, last couple of days and said about that, yeah, I think he's a manager of Austria, is it? And uh, reports saying he wouldn't leave, but if you offered me Ragnick as director of football and Nagelsmann as our manager, I could get behind that. I could get quite excited about that. Um, obviously, Ragnick didn't pull up any trees at Old Trafford, but he's not a manager. So,
3: I think, though, we'll talk about managers shortly after and we talk about the second half, but I think with, with Nagelsmann, um, he will want full control as I think most managers would want full control that that is normal yeah. isn't it you know to, to, to wanting to sign your own players rather than having club signings which I think is a, a huge problem at the moment um, TJ let's come to you um, let's, get, let's get into the second half in the, in the 56th minute of course Spurs got one back for Pedro Poro what have you made of Pedro Poro's time at Tottenham so far
4: um, again, I'm sure like most uh, Tottenham fans, it's been very disappointing. He's had a couple of absolute shockers. Um, first half today, he was completely lost at sea. He almost looks like he doesn't know what's expected of him, let alone have the ability to perform those, those duties. Again, um, I said before when we were talking about Dyer and even talking about Romero and, and various other individuals. Sorry, not Romero, um, Emerson Royale you know i always try to be conscious that you know these are human beings right that we're talking about and it's it's i don't want to sit here and just sort of quantify them like they're their machines or robots or whatever but um uh there's definitely a player there i mean he was absolutely electrifying it was at sporting like just electrifying and really exciting and again you know we were enormously frustrated that it took so long to get that deal over the line so i don't think it's fair that we turn around and go he's rubbish he's rubbish sell him fans are always going to have their opinions and it's very emotional right football is very important to us very important to us and our our club I mean you know if we could switch (laughs) you know maybe we would right but we can't it's a lifelong commitment from childhood so it really means a lot to us and so is he a very gifted footballer definitely he's athletic a bit like Emerson really You know, we're looking at Emerson, and again, I would deride him all day long. I I didn't know how he made it as a professional footballer. I was like, this guy was at Barca. Um, But there was always an athlete there, very athletic. it was fast and strong and agile and nimble and all the rest of it, right? You know, again, you should be. You're getting paid an enormous amount of money to be a professional athlete. But um, as far as Pedro Porro goes, it's far too early. For us to kind of make any definitive decisions, whether it's to the positive or, or the negative or the neutral. We have to exercise a little bit of pragmatism and a little bit of uh, patience. You know, I know that's a, a word that's often not associated with football um, at, at any level. But as far as Poro goes, it would be really foolish of us to be reactionary and say, we'll turf him out with all the others that need to go. Because Number what the most important thing that we need to do right now. Um, okay, maybe it's maybe it's Harry Kane, right? Debatable. But for me, the the most important thing we need to do is offload deadwood, vast amounts of deadwood. I wouldn't oh. include Pedro Porro in that. You know, I think I think he's got to be part of future plans. So um, my assessment of his performance up until now as a Tottenham player not brilliant. He's probably a 5 out of 10. Obviously scored today. Fair play to the kid. You know, scored a difficult goal. And at 2-0 down, the next goal is absolutely vital. If he doesn't score that goal, do we go on and draw? And listen, guys, we should have won. We should yeah. have won. If Eric Dyer could hit a cow's ass with a banjo, we win. You know, my grandmother could have scored that. And she's been dead since 2005. You know, so we, we, we they actually kind of got off... Lightly, and again in 45 minutes, we showed what we can do if we try. So I'm pleased to get a point. Please not when I'm not pleased with a point, I'm pleased we didn't get another loss. But I'm generally disappointed that that effort isn't there from the beginning. So as as far as Porro goes, he's okay. He's a new kid who's walked into a house that's on fire. You've got to be a particularly strong individual at 23 or 24 or whatever he is, English is your second language. You've never lived in this city, let alone this country before, to walk in and just rub your hands together and go, it's all right, lads, I've got this. That's harsh. So I think, you know, let's just give him some time.
3: TJ, I have to ask the question, who is the Deadwood for you?
4: Dude, um, so, yeah, I wrote a list last night when I was at dinner with my friend um I mean listen I'll start with and I don't want to list him as Deadwood but it is time Lloris right Lloris Lloris has to go Longley for me go Dyer. go Sessignon go Perisic go um who else uh, I'm now moving into our midfield Lacelso go Mora. go uh, he's already gone I think um who else is there? That's probably about eight, and I did have twelve. Of course, I can't remember. Oh God, Rodon! Even forget right. <laughs> there are players. Um, again, I just don't. I just don't. We talked a bit about Jeff, and I really have a soft spot for him. He seems like such a lovely kid, and I love the story of his family. And they took a chance on my son, and like his father. I don't. Know if you remember that interview back in the day? Really broke my heart. Just seems like such a sweet, sweet man and a lovely family. But I don't think he's top six level. So Tanganga, he also has to go. It's a long list, boys. It's a long, long list. I would keep Brian Hill. Oh, good. Tongi uh, and, and Dombele, he has to go. It's a yep. long list, right? I would bring Reggie on back. Um, I would keep Brian Hill. I really think there's a player there. Um, and uh, Dan Juma, I keep him. Obviously, uh, we've already done the Kulu deal. So, yeah, there's a lot there. I mean, but like Sessegnor never came good for me. Never, never came good. And I think he cost 20 mil or something, didn't he? He was expensive. You know, I tell you
3: what, when 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 you list off all of those names, it's hell of a job, isn't it? For any yeah. manager coming in or any sporting director, yeah, that's three uh, windows
4: uh, minimum. You're not, yeah. you, you could have Houdini come in and he wouldn't be able to shift 10, 12 players in, in one window. Uh, but you know, I'll let one of the other lads speak, but that's. For me, that's three windows minimum, and you'd have to be really, really good at your job. And also be prepared. I did actually do some numbers as well last night. The number that we came to for all of these 12 players was £70 million, 12 players, including Tongi, including LaCelso, including players like that. Did you have Sanchez on that
0: list?
5: Yes, and I cannot believe I
4: forgot to mention him. Yes, of course. Fair play to him. Nice boy, but sorry, it hasn't worked out. <laughs>
3: Darren, I want to ask you the same question about Pedro Porro because um, you know, ever since his debut at Leicester, you know, which was a a, a terrible debut from him, um, what have you made of him in shirt? And uh, I want to ask you
0: the very direct question:
3: Emerson, Royale,
0: or Pedro Porro? Okay, I'll I'll go. Bef- I'll answer the first part, then do the second part. I think with Pedro Porro, I think he he needs time to settle. I think he's trying very hard. And I think that's what you're seeing. He's trying very hard. You can see there's language barriers. There's communication issues on the pitch that he's got. He's finding his way with. And I don't think he understands what, what what other people are going to do and what, where where his role comes in. Because as an attacking wing back, that's probably one of the most difficult positions to play on a football pitch. You're up and down. Yeah. Winks do you whiz? There's a lot. Um, you're up and down and finding your position and knowing when to go and when to not and, Sometimes he's making bad calls and that's not his fault sometimes. That's due to the breakdown of the move that he anticipated was going to work. So he will, I think he needs time. Of If we're going right wing backs, he's the best option as a right wing back. Where the issue comes in when he said Pedro Poro or Emerson Royale. Because for me, it depends on what formation you're playing. If we're playing four at the back, I want Emerson Royal there as my right back. If we're playing a wing back, I would still persevere with Pedro Poro, because I feel from what we've seen at Sporting and what we've seen of Emerson over a long period of time, not his little purple patch that he started to hit, over a period of time, I think Pedro was a better option as right wing back, hence why we pursued him so much. But it would be good to have two options. It would be good to have two players fighting for a position. We must. And we must yeah. have two options, 100%. Absolutely. We've got to have
4: two like really great
0: options in every position. Sorry to jump yeah. in, but yes, mate, uh, 100%. Uh, and I think Emerson has shown he wants to develop. And I think all that dead wood that you've just lifted off, TJ, and all of that stuff, I think if we went round, everyone would have a few players that may switch in and out or added to. And I think that's why it's dangerous when we have a chairman who is trying to construct deals right now with no manager in place because there may be a manager out there who looks at Rodham, for example, and goes, I can turn him into a, a, my, my centre of my back three. If I put him in there, because when you watch him play for Wales, he's a different player than when he played for Tottenham. So each manager's eye had a different vision. And if we're gonna, we're gonna dictate to them again, we're never gonna get the manager we want. As you said, Chris, every manager that is approaching Tottenham right now will be asking for control, and that's not a crazy thing as a manager to ask for. And if we, as a football club, are not giving them control, we're never gonna get the managers we want. We're only gonna get a yes man now, who's gonna be willing to come to Tottenham, take a paycheck, and do what Levy wants. Don't want it.
3: Well, in my opinion, I think as a football club, we need to decide exactly what direction we need to go in. And are we going to change our ways in, in what we've done in the past? Because we're just going to go around in circles otherwise. And of course, all of us are frustrated. 15 years without a trophy. We want to see the real ambition on the pitch now. And it is about time that we, that we had that as fans because we pay the most money for tickets um, we want to be entertained. We haven't really been entertained in these few years since Pochettino left, in my opinion. And uh, we want those good times back and we want those exciting times back. Craig, let's come to you. Um, a minute later, after going um, or getting a goal back uh, and, and the score was 2-1 at that point, um, Fernandes ran through our defence and hit the crossbar. Um, defensively, in these last few games, it simply hasn't
6: been good enough. How
3: does Ryan Mason shore up our defence for these remaining five Premier League games?
6: To be honest, I'm not sure how he does because he's got five games. He's worked with these players for the last two, three years anyway. He's been part of the coaching staff, so he sees them day in, day out. I'm not sure how you can coach these players any more than already has been done. You know, they seem to be at the level they're at. And you could argue that this time last year, we were a hell of a lot better with more or less the same players. And, you know, that's right. I just think they're shot of confidence. I I just think they're scared to make mistakes. Um, There was periods uh, before Dyer got back into the England squad he looked a really good, solid centre-back. And ever since he got back in that England squad, he's just gone downhill again. Um, I totally agree with TJ. I I just don't think Lingley's good enough. And why the hell we're trying to sign him permanently, I don't know, especially without the manager. Um, there there is gaping holes all over that squad and we've just got nobody to fill it in in those. If he's going to play three at the back, who else did you put at centre-back? Tanganga, maybe? Um, I think we've just got to try and get through these last five games and it's almost like a hit and hope thing. You know, just, just hope we can score more than we concede and just keep that fifth place and getting your Europa league and start again next season. Cause I don't think Mason is going to be able to do anything different for these last five games than, than what you're already seeing other than trying to give the players belief and give them a bit of confidence because their confidence is totally shot. I mean, hopefully with this draw today and the, the comeback, they might start to get a bit of, bit of belief back, but it's, you know, the confidence through the floor, it's, it, it doesn't help when the club keeps sacking managers. You know They've had no consistency for the last however long it is, three or four years. Um, listening to different voices, slightly different managers, different tweaks, different systems, learning new systems, how they want to play, where they want to be. The whole thing is, is a mess. And when you read, uh, I read today that when Conte was pulling the academy boys up, just to basically be cones on the pitch rather than actually they were joining in with training, but they weren't actually part of it essentially. Um, I would hope however he's got you know, these five games to do it, but Mason, obviously, his connections with the academy start integrating the academy again. Listen, what's the point in having an academy if you're not going to have players come up from it? And it's, however, This Scott Mum, whether he's, he's going to um, redistribute people to start getting that ethos back of the academy and in the same way that the first team play. And there is a path for you if you're good enough, you know, look what happened to Harry Kane and Ollie Skip and the Harry Winks, you know, we seem to have lost that. And that's part of our identity. We've always been, um, been a club that champions youth and, and brings the academy boys through. And it's great to see one of your own. And we just haven't seen that in recent years. And that's just one of many, many jobs that need to be addressed in the summer a big overhaul and coming back to your question, a big overhaul in that defense, because I still maintain you put two quality center backs alongside Romero. Then you've got the makings of a really good back three or uh, back two with, you know, swapping if you are getting a player that's uh, universal can play right or left. If you're playing a back four, we'd be in a much better place. And when you say about the defense as well, We've got to get in a quality goalkeeper to replace Hugo. Brilliant servant. Love Hugo. Done us proud. I really do think Hugo's been brilliant for us. But we need a new goalie. And I thought Falster looked pretty good tonight, to be honest. I don't think he was at fault for either of the goals. So I would be keen to keep him on um, and, and push whoever comes in.
3: It all sounds so simple, doesn't it? Just bring in a couple of great centre-backs and bring in a fantastic goalkeeper.
6: Well, Um, everybody else does it. I mean, City did it. They bought in Laporte. They bought in Diaz. You know, they just go out and get... And they don't play silly money. All right, they're Man City and the players probably want to go there. And that's the other trouble we've got, isn't it?
3: Yeah. Well, in the 63rd minute, Hoybier had a shot on target. It was a tame shot. Three minutes later, Harry came with a great cross. Hunmin Son shot wide. What a fantastic chance that was. Substitute Gulicevsky shot wide in the 67th minute. And then in the 69th minute, Eric Dyer's header completely unmarked in front of goal. Missed it, put it wide. I don't think we should be talking about Eric Dyer anymore. I think all of us have given our thoughts about him. Um, Fernandez shot, forced a save in the 71st minute. TJ, very quickly, um, Craig touched on it there. Um, Forster, um, I thought he had a fairly decent game this evening. Do you feel more confident? Now you put Lloris in your
4: Deadwood pile. Do you feel more confident we've forced it in goal? Absolutely. I think I don't think he's had a bad game. I mean, I think there was one FA Cup game he looked a bit shaky. I think it was an FA Cup game, um, but I think he's been excellent. Not only you know made some really important saves. Uh, he's a brave goalkeeper, and also um, I'm surprised by how adept he is with his feet. His distribution is excellent. I think he yeah. passes with both feet. I don't, is he left footed or right footed? I don't know and that's a huge compliment you know um, right footed I think yeah Sorry say that again, mate Yeah I think
6: he's right footed
4: yeah right but he can ping with both right I mean in, in, incredible and and also he always seems calm you know whenever it goes back to Hugo's feet, all of us including Hugo, you know we tighten <laughs> we you know um, but Forster's chilling. you know he's, he almost has that kind of really easy gait that Emerson has. You know, an Emerson can ping a 70-yard ball and smoke a fag at the same time and have a coffee on the go. You know, um, so I've been really happy with Forster. Is he the answer? No, because he's 35. And also, you're absolutely right, Craig, and, and I know, Chris, you're right as well. It isn't as easy as just kind of bringing in players, but there are very obvious better quality players who are out there? Again, I'm not the guy who pretends to know what's happening in in the other leagues. Like I, I do follow the Premier League um, pretty diligently. I don't know what's happening in Spain or Portugal or in Germany or in Italy or or you know other places in the world. I I, I just don't unless I see them playing in, in the Champions League. But like there are players at Palace. There are players at Brighton. There are play. How we didn't sign Trossard? He was 18 million pounds. He wanted to come to Tottenham. We are desperate for creativity. And whether you can... (laughs) Darren, sorry, mate. I know, sorry to revisit that pain upon you. But um, £18 million. I don't know whether we believe his agent, but his agent just said, it was taking so long. We'd spoken three times to Tottenham and they kept on saying, just wait on a decision. And then they spoke to Arsenal and less than 24 hours later, it was done. How on earth in this modern day where Jack Grealish is a hundred million pounds, do you snub 18 million pounds for a penalty uh, for a premier league proven quality player like Leandro Trossard? That is just completely, completely un- unforgivable. Um And so, yeah, you know, there are, there are steps that need to be taken, but we would be vastly improved. Let's be really pragmatic. Give me one goalkeeper, one left-sided centre-back, and one number 10, and I'd be happy. I'd be happy for now, and then lose as many as we could. Lose as many from that list of Deadwood as we could. And we could field a really strong 11 and have a really good subs bench as well.
3: I think, TJ, to to sum um, our transfer activity up, when we were linked with Bruno Fernandez and interested in signing Bruno Fernandez, we ended up with Jetson Fernandez, and it is like you know instead of shopping at Harrods, you've gone to you know Poundland. It it it, it really was, and of course that didn't work out either. Um, but surprisingly, all these players seem to come to Tottenham. They leave Tottenham and then they go on to win trophies, which, of course, we haven't seen for 15 years. Um, Darren, on a very positive note, and of course, we did get a point this evening against Manchester United, in the 79th minute, Hunmin Son got our equaliser. Talk us through the goal because um, I'm really
0: pleased with Hunmin Son because it's been a difficult season for him, hasn't it? Yeah, he's, he's, he's had one to forget this season he will want to forget it really quickly and I think there's there's a number of issues in that I think Conte didn't help him in some of the tactical things that he was doing there was a really interesting Hoiberg interview where he spoke about Son being free now to kind of play in a different way and it's I feel that him and Perisic were playing on top of each other in many aspects of the game and yeah it was yeah it just hasn't worked and this is a season that it needs to be over quickly for Son and I, I was one of the ones that would have been happy for him not to have started today, and to see him come off the bench. And when he got his goal, it, it class is permanent. You know what I mean? We know he's a class player, and he had moments today where we expected him to bury him, and he didn't. And then he got finally got one. And Kane again, great link-up play, great ball across. He just came to play. Their, their connection, their their their. They read each other so well, and it's beautiful to see. And I just, I just, I feel for some this year. I do feel for him. I feel that he should have been taken out of the the firing line a lot earlier by the, our management team. And I think he should have been supported better because I think he they've tried to play him into form. That's the only logic I can give it, and it hasn't worked. It hasn't worked for him at all this year. Sad for him.
3: Now, last couple of questions. Just want to get all of your thoughts on our next game away at Liverpool on Sunday and uh, where you think Spurs will finish in the Premier League at the end of the season and uh, who our next manager uh, will be or could be. Not a lot of um, questions there, Chris. There's, there, we'll, we'll try and speed it up. Um, Craig, let's come to you um, first of all. Of course, Spurs are fifth in the Premier League table at the moment. We now have 54 points from 33 matches. Aston Villa have exactly the same points from the same matches, but we have a more superior goal difference. We have plus seven, they have plus five. We've got Liverpool just behind us. Uh, they've got a game in hand. They're a point behind and Brighton are five points behind us, but they have three games in hand. Um, Liverpool up next, Anfield. Over the years, we've got very, very little at Anfield. How are you feeling ahead of this game?
6: Um, if I'm brutally honest, I think we'll get very little out of the game at the weekend. Um, I can't see us getting a win. I think we'll be lucky to get a draw. Um, Liverpool's been, as you say, a bogey ground for us for for years. Um, I can remember the mid-90s. We went there, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong, Chris. You're a bit of a stat man, but um, I think we played him in the FA Cup and Sheringham scored. Uh, Thank yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, and I remember thinking, "Wow, we've won at Anfield," and that was the 90s, and not much has changed since then, really. Um, yeah. I think it's going to be very tough. I, I, I think they'll. I think we'll get beat at the weekend. Um, sadly, I just don't think we'll have enough. I just think they're going to be too strong. Um, as for a manager, I've got two answers for you. The one who I think will probably be our manager and who I want to be our manager. Actually, that might have changed. So I'm going to say, no, I'm going to say Nagelsmann. I think we'll get Nagelsmann over the line. I was going to go uh, Brendan Rodgers, which I don't want, by the way. Uh, but I, I was of the same opinion as you that it was edging towards Rodgers. But I, I just don't, I've changed my mind on that. I think it, I'm going to be positive and say Nagelsmann. Um, and what was the other question, Chris? The Score prediction? Did you say? Or
3: yep. yeah,
6: yeah, two 0 Liverpool. Sorry.
3: <laughs> and also, where do you think we'll finish in the Premier League table at the end of the season?
6: Um, sixth.
3: Europa League football.
6: Yeah, that or nothing for me. I don't. If we don't finish sixth, I do not want the Conference League as much as European football. And, you know, of course, they would get behind us. And if we are in the Conference League, great. You know, I think we should try and win it because it's a trophy. But I think Europa League is a better level.
3: That's all fans were saying this evening around me in the stadium. We don't want seventh. We definitely don't want seventh. We don't want to be playing the Europa Conference League. Are we, as Spurs fans, being a bit snobby about that competition? Because when you look at West Ham now in the semi finals of the competition, if they go on to win that, at the end of the
6: day, it's a European competition, Craig. Yeah, and I get that. I get that thinking. And I think we probably are. Me, even me, I think I am being a bit snobby with it, thinking we're too good for that. And to be honest, we know we're not. I think it's just after you've played in the Champions League and you've, you have you see the teams you're playing against, and, you know, the Real Madrid's, the Barcelona's, the Bayern Munich's, and then you're playing Pacos de Ferreira, it's just a bit of a come down. Um,
4: but we lost hey, to them,
6: I think I got yeah,
4: a bottle of that for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you know, you
6: you can only play what's in front of you. Is the old, you know, cliche. I'm. I just think if you're trying to keep players like Harry Kane, you'd rather be playing in the Europa League than the Europa Conference League. But, you know. He was there when we was playing against Pacos de Ferreira. So um, I don't know if he played or not. I can't remember. I don't really want to, It was kind of a night I want to forget. And I'm sure, Chris, you'd, you want to forget your trip to Pacos de Ferreira. But um, yeah. look, look let, let, let's just get behind him no matter what. You know, wherever we finish, we finish. And I think you're right. It's a European trophy, but I can see the logic in finishing outside those places. Uh, but the club, you know, the club want European football, don't they? And the, let's face it, the players will want to play in Europe.
4: Yeah. At the end of the day,
3: TJ, how are you feeling ahead of this Liverpool game?
4: Um, I mean, I am one of those Tottenham fans that it's it's just impossible for me to to predict a result w- where we're going to lose. I know yeah. that history is not on our side and it, it's it's not a, a happy hunting ground for us and it never has been. Um, was it last season where Firmino scored that header from a corner to make it 2-2? We had a really good go. Was that last season? Was that the season before last? Remember that? It was like in the 93rd minute and... Fumino scored a header to make it 2-2. We played really well. And listen, Liverpool are obviously having a suspect season as well. We were discussing this before, how we are still the most maligned football club in England, whereas Europeans' most successful ever British club are doing worse than us. Nothing said in the press. Chelsea spent £500 million doing worse than us. Nothing said in the press. So um, am I expecting to win? No, like, you know, even hand on heart. No, I'm not expecting to win. But it's just impossible for me to sort of foresee us losing. So I'll say, look, you know, maybe we could sneak like a cheeky 2-2, you know, maybe even a bit like today. Um, maybe we don't have 90 minutes in us. I don't think we've been trained to play for 90 minutes. That wonderful chant, you know, we've got so many clever chants, haven't we? You know, um, you know, we we play for one half, we play for one half, Conte's Tottenham, we play for one half, you know. And we do. And that's kind of how we're used to playing. I know we're not, well, we are still Conte's Tottenham. It doesn't matter who's sitting in the dugout. That's how we've been trained to play. So I would love a cheeky 2-2 or a 1-1. Hell, guys, like, you know, let's go for a win. Let's see what we can do. They don't look that clever this season. Van Dyke looks a shadow of his former self. So maybe, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe Richarlison will have a field day with him. Maybe he can do more of that Master of the Dark Art stuff, which which Darren spoke of very eloquently. And I agree with, I love that. I love that he's got he's got that Lamella in him, you know, but he's a much better player than Lamella. So I want to see more of that, you know, and I don't mind the histrionics, that's his culture and that's who he is. I don't mind that. But when you're through on goal, shoot and score. You know what I mean? Like do do something. Yeah positive, you know, when, when you're through on on goal and keep doing all that stuff and being an outlet. And those are all points very well made, mate. Um, so maybe he could have a field day with Van Dijk. You'd never want to mark Richarlison. God, you'd come off the pitch covered in bumps and bruises and scars. And, you know, you really would. Um, as far as where we finish, um, to be honest, I am one of those Spurs fans that doesn't want us playing conference league football. And I hear what you're saying about, oh, West Ham, are they now in the semi-final or the final? semi
3: final
4: um, we're not west ham you know west ham should aim for that they're not a champions league team we, we you know how many times we've been in the champions league over the last decade more times than but not are we,
3: but are we are we good enough to be a champions league team tj that's the problem
4: no we're not but you know what brother neither of manchester united they just got yeah. walloped by sevilla in in the europa league easily yeah. and will they be in the champions league next season probably you know, I mean, listen, Newcastle at the moment look like they could be a handful in, in the Champions League. I mean, Arsenal have earned their spot. And yes. after Brighton lost yesterday, mathematically, they're playing Champions League. Good for you. You know, you deserve it this season. I hope you get thumped. But no, we're not a Champions League team this season. But the standard of the football in the Premier League this season has been poor. So I, I would much rather play Europa League, which is, you know, that's a trophy that quality teams have won in the past because even teams that drop out of the Champions League then go into the into the Europa League I don't want us playing conference league football I just I would rather be out of it focus on domestic cups and the Premier League and hopefully just ship out can we get rid of four or five players cancel some loans and you know bring in two or three I I would be happy with
3: Do you know what? If we played Europa League football, I'd be happy to see a full-strength team in the Europa League because
4: hundred percent, hundred percent. When, 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 when we
3: played in the competition, when we played in the competition, we've never ever put in, um, you know, a, a proper strength team, which which is really frustrating for me because whenever you're in one of these competitions. Go and try and win it. And we, and we haven't really ever seen to do that.
4: Trophy. The Europa is a proper trophy. If you look at the teams that have yeah. won that over the last decade, those are all proper teams. They're not a team that sound like a bottle of dodgy after- aftershave that you bought off Delvoy down the market. <laughs>
3: <laughs> TJ, also um, on the manager situation, who do you think we will end up with? And if you had your choice, who would you like to see coming?
4: Um, if it was my choice, it would be Poch. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. I'm with Craig. I do think it will be Nagelsman. I, I do think it will be him. And that's a statement. I mean, another thing that I want to say as well about Tottenham, and I'm not, you know, maybe I am just subconsciously trying to finish on a, on a positive. It's still a very exciting, enticing job to a manager, not just because of the infrastructure. And I know people laugh at us in our absence of trophies and all that kind of thing. But, you know, don't try to besmudge our history. We are the first team that did the impossible double, the impossible double. You know, when players weren't paid millions and millions and millions of pounds, when it was literally said, that is an impossible task to win that cup and win that league. You don't have enough players. It's too tiring. You cannot do it. So don't besmudge our history. And now look at the infrastructure that we have. And also, we've got some unbelievable players. He's still the best. He's still the best striker in the league. Yes, Haaland, and he was unbelievable yesterday, and I adored him. Like, we were laughing. He looked like he, you know, was in a Timothy commercial. He was fabulous. Um, you know, but <laughs> Kane, is, Kane is still the guy, you know, and so that's a very exciting prospect, but... Daniel Levy and the board, you must relinquish the control of the football side of this business. To Craig's point, to your point, Chris, to Darren's point, you have built an extraordinarily successful business. And we all take our hats off to you. And we should be grateful because there was a time that we were in a tenuous position as a club. You know, our solvency was being questioned. So now we are in a position of financial authority. We're actually the most financially profitable football team in the history of the Premier League. If you don't believe that, Google it, right? So now it is time for you, Daniel Levy, and your friends to step aside, appoint football people who live, breathe, sleep, eat and crap football and let them run that. Concentrate on booking Beyonce tickets and leave the football to the guys who want to play football.
3: TJ, just a quick yes or no. Will Harry Kane be a Spurs player at the start of next season?
4: I think yes. Yes, I do. Because I don't... Yes, I know You know, United want him, but you're going to United to guarantee winning trophies, are you? That's crazy. You're not guaranteed to win trophies at United. They might be able to pull off a World Cup because it's a Manchester derby and you never uh, an FA Cup. You never know what's going to happen in a derby. But Manchester United are miles off winning a league. Miles off. They're at least four seasons, even if Harry steps up and scores them 20 goals. They're miles off. So I think he'll just, he'll stay and just, he's already a Spurs legend. Stay. Your children are settled. Your wife is settled. You have your dogs. You have a lovely life. Stay. Sign another contract and continue being a Spurs legend and, you know, look forward to that statue that Levy promised you.
3: Well, a couple of times this evening at the Southern Hotspur Stadium in the away end, they were singing, Harry Kane, we will see you in June. Yeah. Um, Darren, let's come to you on the same uh, questions. Uh, the manager that you would like, the manager you think we will get, where you think we will end up in the Premier League table and
0: your thoughts ahead of the Liverpool game. Okay, I'm very much like TJ. I can't ever say the words Tottenham are going to lose to anybody. I can't do it. Um. So what I will say is I'm going to take a draw. I'm going to take a draw. I'm going to take a 1-1 draw and hope that Van Dijk has a moment of losing all all coordination and we get we nick one and I don't see us keeping a clean sheet so I'm going to go for a 1-1 and I'll be very happy if we get that now okay in terms of the league this is this is a challenging one because we have spoke a lot I've heard everyone talk about Europa League and the idea of winning it and taking it seriously in West Ham the thing about the Tottenham philosophy and the vision around Spurs right now as you said Chris we don't take it seriously being in it, we don't we don't give it our rule, we don't play our first team, we don't invest in it. So I'm I'm gonna go out on a limb right now. I would much prefer Tottenham to not finish in a, in a European place this season. I would prefer it and I'm gonna explain the logic behind it. Because what that does is that puts a pressure on everybody. That puts the pressure on our on our board because suddenly they are not got the money of a Champions League, Europa League, Conference League. There's a financial implication. They'll only feel it if it hits their pocket first. Now they're going, how can we get players in that we wanted to? Now they're going to want more money to entice them because we ain't got a Champions League carrot to dangle in front of them. So everyone's got to work harder and I want that work. That's what I need. I need the work also because we don't take it seriously. I think it's a waste of our energy next season. Being in the Europa League and not giving it our all, if that's still the ethos, it's pointless. It's a waste of time. I'd rather all the focus be on the league and be on the cups that we have because suddenly those games matter because we ain't got nothing else to rest for. And maybe, Chris, then you will get the trophy that you desire. I think in terms of manager... I've said it right from the get-go. We're going to be in a circus of how we employ our manager. It's embarrassing the way we're doing it. We should have wrapped it up already because all there's so many great managers available. But if you don't have a vision of what you want in terms of the ethos of football, you then do what we're doing now. And we're just hovering, waiting. What's going to happen is, I feel, is this. We're waiting for everyone else to make their choices. We should go and get Nagelsmann now. That's what I would want. He's there. You clearly didn't want Pochettino, so go and get Nargasman. It makes sense. But again, there are talks of money this, money that, and this and that. So that's going to stop us. We will end up with someone like Brendan Rodgers or Potter. That's what will happen. Because everyone else will be gone and we'll end up with a project manager and it will not be the Spurs way. It will not be the vision. So for me, I hope that Levy and the team get the vision right. And then if you've got a vision, Nagosman is there. Make the vision. You've got Brendan Rodgers, who he may not be our first choice as fans, but he's a project manager. We've got you've got Potter available. There are so many great managers that, if you know what you want, you can get it. But right now, I don't think anyone in Spurs knows what they want. So we're in a, we're in a circus, Chris. We are in an absolute circus, and we're going to watch good guys. managers go. Would Say you again? take company? Would you take you Winston's know what? Company? I wouldn't, and I'm going to explain why yes. because I think company. If we took him. We're taking him on this ideal that he's going to be a great manager because he did well in, champion, in the championship. He's got, he doesn't excite me. I don't see that his football excites me. I don't think as a character he excites me. And I think what that is, is an easy option. But then that will be a two-year contract. And again, we're back in two-year, two-year cycles. And I think it's yeah, not I, worth it. I agree with you. I, I, yeah, I'm not down for that either. And I think what would happen with company is the minute he starts to do badly, as fan base we turn him because no one's got an allegiance with him. We don't like him. So when it starts to fall apart, we're shouting that we don't want him. You should have got Potch. You should have got Potch. And we're we're back in that realm. And we don't need that. We I'm writing the songs, Chris. I'm there, but we don't need to do it. So that's that. I would like us not to finish in the champ in Europe, so that it, knee-jerk reaction makes the board work. And I would say, I would I would love Norgess men, but if we get Potter, remember I said it.
3: Do you know what, Darren? I completely agree with you. I, I would love to get Nagelsmann in at the moment. Um, I think that would be a perfect appointment for us. But I do think that we will end up with someone like Brendan Rogers because of his Premier League experience. And I think that's the way that the club will go. And um, I'm also going to predict 1-1 for the Liverpool game. And when I predict a 1-1, it normally means that I'm very worried because I, I, I'm like TJ and Darren, I will never, ever predict a Spurs loss. So when I say 1-1, I'm worried about the game. Um, (laughs) Craig, TJ and Darren thanks so much for joining me this evening Um, TJ it's been an absolute pleasure having you on for the very first time this evening uh, talking about our 2-2 draw against Manchester United I'd love to have you back on again in the future please tell everyone where they can find you on social media and what you're up to at the moment
4: it was a complete pleasure. Thank you very much indeed, Chris. I really enjoyed it, and and to Craig and to Darren and to everybody that's that's listening and sending in your all your comments. Thank you so much for having me. It's difficult to come on after, um, you know, after not winning, but we didn't lose, and so I think that we've spoken a lot of sense this evening as far as where people can find me. Um, I'm not a very big social media person to be honest, but I am on Twitter. I can't be asked to open Instagram I am on there, but I don't never really use it. Um, as far as what I'm up to Um, is that what am I allowed to talk? About? Oh, yes. Um, so Jedi Survivor the new big Star Wars game that just came out. I think it came out yesterday So, um, and that's the biggest game in the world right now. So I'm in I'm in that um what TV am I allowed to talk about? Oh, people were saying that they just saw me on the SWAT the other night. So I'm constantly on the telly. Lots of places. <laughs> Thank you very much. Cheers, everybody. And
3: Darren, it's been an ap- absolute pleasure having you back. Tell everyone what, what you're up to at the moment and where people can find you.
0: Good to be back, Chris. Good to be back. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Um, and say my socials are the same at original heartman, man, you can find me and everything. And you'll probably see me popping up in an ad break, selling something to you. That's, that's, that's the currency right now. I'm having a lot of fun selling you random bits and bobs. So yeah, while the checks are there, I'm taking them. What are you selling at the moment? Oh, I've got, I've got, I've got furniture. I'm selling. I've got, I've got a new one that's coming out. I'll be selling you something that you like to spread. I've also got some. Oh, oh it's, it's all happening. <laughs> if you, if you, if you, if you watch an advert, it's. I'm a drinking game. If you watch the advert, you're bound to see me on one and have a have a drink on me. There you go, fans. Have a drink on me.
3: Well, Darren, thank you so much. And everyone, look out for Darren's adverts. And Craig, thanks so much for taking uh, control of this podcast while I was walking to the car. Pleasure having you back on. And tell everyone where they can find you.
6: Yeah, no worries, Chris. No worries at all. Uh, always always good to have um, two guests here. Uh... Lovely, lovely to uh, control. <laughs> I would say, didn't not that not that they need controlling. They're not children, but you know what I mean. You know, it, it's just uh, it's great when you can all just chat and get everything off your chest. And because we we're all Spurs fans at the end of the day, and we all share the frustration, so it's it is good to vent. And thankfully, it was the draw tonight. Um, if you want to follow me, I'm on Twitter at dearman9. You can see there. Um, I'm not an actor or anything like, like you guys. I'm not famous, <laughs> so I'm, uh, I'm not in for the followers. But uh, it's always nice but uh, you know, come on here always gain a few followers from this show and people s- send me lovely messages to say, uh, you know, messages of support. And if I do tweet about Tottenham, which I seem to be doing a bit more lately, you always get some really good replies and it's really good to re- interact with people because, like I say, I'm just a fan. And uh, we all want what's best for this club, and let's hope we can make the right managerial appointment and get this club moving forward because we so well bloody deserve it. We've we've been, we've been here too bloody long without a trophy and uh, one FA Cup in 32 years. My word, my word. Anyway, yes. let's finish. Let's finish on a high. And um, we got a point tonight, so uh, yeah. I'll see you next time. Anyway, thanks for having me on, Chris.
3: Well, Craig, TJ and Darren, thanks so much for your time. And, of course, thank you so much to Ricky Norwood as well earlier on in the show. And thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for listening. And uh, we will see you on the next show against Liverpool on Sunday. Uh, let's hope that we can get a very rare, a re- very rare win at Anfield. Three points incoming, hopefully. Uh, until the next time, come on, you Spurs.